You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Thursday. We are free and available on all platforms. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Wind, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN, who you can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, Tyler Bertuzzi has been tearing it up for the Red Wings, but his selfishness in staying unvaccinated will likely continue to harm his team. Also, Carey Price has returned to the Canadiens organization after taking time in the NHL's player assistance program. Plus, the Flyers' goaltending might actually be good. Hope I didn't chase it there. So, Andrew, before we start today's show, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It was a bit of a crazy weekend. We had an election here in Montreal for the municipal stuff. Uh, So they only opened voting on weekends, which I guess makes sense for some people. But when you have two toddlers, it makes things a little bit more complicated. (laughs) especially when the younger one is teething. So we had to like run in and then they didn't have our names at the correct polling station. They sent us to two other ones before we just went back and we're like, can we look for our names and found ourselves? And we're like, okay, let's, let's just let us vote now. And uh, we got that done. And thankfully the person that I wanted to win won, and we didn't have the regressive, like quote unquote business first slumlord lover get back in power that we just kicked out the last election so things went well but a bit of a crazy weekend yeah yeah sounds like it uh i had a pretty relaxing weekend i think all things considered um i now like i said my work schedule changed so now i have friday and saturday off which is great um so just you know pretty chill weekend uh for me uh lots of sports to pay attention to but that's that's kind of how it is you know since we're in fall um, it is sad, though, that Daylight Savings Time happened, and now it gets dark at 5 p.m., and I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was nice to sleep in that one day, but then immediately it was like, oh, no, never mind. It's dark now. Uh, so that sucked. Luna was not happy either because her food schedule got shifted around a little bit. So she was, like, whiny all yesterday. And I'm like, Luna, why are you whiny? And I was like, oh, right, that's right. I don't think I've ever had to deal with, like you know, having a pet that's so used to being fed at very specific times. Uh, and, you know, the time change kind of messed with that. So I'm like, oh, sorry, Luna. So I gave her more treats than normal yesterday. But I think that was worth it because we're all adjusting to the time difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think we were all out of sorts on Sunday and trying to figure things out. Uh, I had to bring my car in to get the winter tires on. And <laughs> Dylan was like, "Oh, Canada!" Yeah, super excited because I told him we were going to like the mechanic shop, and he was like, "Like Monkey Mechanic," because there's a YouTube series for kids called uh, Mr. Monkey Monkey Mechanic that he used to love. So he was like, "I want to go see Mr. Monkey," and I was like, "It's not Mr. Monkey," <laughs> but he Aww. came with me, and he was very excited. He got to learn about tires, so the things oh, that entertain cool. toddlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like you guys are having a fun time, but that's that's good. It's it's you know nice to be back in the swing of things just in general, um, and that means we've got you know hockey to talk about. So uh, not to say that we were scrambling to find things to talk about, but we're, it's like one of those things where like there's there's a lot of games happening, but there's still like storylines are kind of like starting to you know level out a little bit um after you know the early season rush i didn't want to you know spend time talking about uh connor mcdavid being incredible and scoring a stupid stupid goal which was awesome uh that's that's not stuff i don't think we need to talk about yeah, but it, i think it, it's like it's already been said right yeah like, i mean dude's incredible it's, like, it's we... an audio podcast we can't show the goal plus yeah, we don't have the rights a... to do that so it's like what are we going to say connor mcdavid's amazing everyone's like yes yeah. it's true Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It is very true. Connor McDavid is amazing. But uh, I think that this is a really interesting topic to start off with, uh, which is Tyler Bertuzzi and I guess by extension, the Detroit Red Wings, who have exceeded everybody's expectations so far this season. Uh, they're six, five and two as of uh, Monday when we record this podcast. Um, and the biggest news outside of, you know, their rookies like Moritz Sider uh, and I believe Lucas Raymond doing really well is the play of Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, and that's normally, you know, not like a name we would really talk about, but he has a very interesting case in that he is the only, I believe, the only NHL player still unvaccinated um, in the league. So that is a 
huge, you know, bur- not I don't want to say burden because that makes it seem like, you know, it's a it's a bad thing. Like it's a bad thing that he's unvaccinated or you know, make him feel better about his decision to be unvaccinated. But the big thing about him is that he is leading the Red Wings in points and in goals. Um, and he's had to miss a couple of games because of COVID-19 protocols. Um, and the Red Wings have lost every game. I believe they've lost three games that he, the games he has missed. So that is pretty big. Um, I don't know, Andrew, if you, you know, want to talk about later, how you know the Red Wings um if they have any chance at making the playoffs this year if that's something they should even strive for but this is a pretty big story because Tyler Bertuzzi has been red hot to start the season and you know he's taking himself out of games unnecessarily just because of his you know decision not to get vaccinated yeah I I honestly wonder how this plays in the room in Detroit because as you mentioned they are winless without him they've lost every game and pretty significantly so. They, they do not look like the same team without Tyler Bertuzzi in the lineup. And it'll be kind of inter- interesting to see. I know that the, it's the one team the Canadians have actually had their number this year. So it'll be interesting to see on Saturday, which I believe is in Detroit, whether or not they play better with Bertuzzi in the lineup. But when you're scoring a goal a game, shooting 36%, so we know it's not sustainable, but still, and you got 15 points in 10 games, absolutely dominant performance, but your team is losing every game that you're not playing and looks like a shell of themselves. And you're not missing games because of injury. You're missing games because you're too selfish and too delusional to get a jab. It like To me, I just don't understand how that could play in the room in any positive way. Like If I were on that team, I'd be looking at him like, you piece of garbage. Like We need you on this team to actually get things done. And this is going to be the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. Like, if you look at their records so far, you remove those games in Canada, and they're probably going to make the playoffs. Like, they, I don't know if they're good enough to do that long-term, because we know that Bertuzzi is not going to be able to pull this off long-term. But it's embarrassing. Like, <laughs> I don't know how, like, the GM, like, Steve Eiserman feels about it. He kind of made fun of Bertuzzi in the preseason. But this is a player who's very good has been good for a while, but is finally putting up like crazy numbers on a team that really needs top end talent. And he's like pushing himself out of the lineup on purpose. I know he's losing money out of it, but he's got to be losing favor as well. Yeah. Cause um, I believe NHL players are paid like on a per game basis. Yes. Well, and anybody who misses games due to COVID COVID situations, they get, they forfeit that salary. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, but we've seen kind of like the public pressure, you know, bend some of the players who weren't uh, vaccinated. Someone like Mackenzie Blackwood, who uh, I believe cited a big reason why he's getting the vaccine is because, you know, to help his teammates. So it's interesting that, you know, Bertuzzi is the only holdout when we've already seen a couple um, of players who weren't cite a re- the reason you said, Andrew, is... Um, it wasn't playing well in the room or he didn't, you know, he felt like he was letting his team down. Uh, so that's one of those things where we'll have to, you know, see if Bertuzzi changes tracks, um, you know, later in the season. I, obviously, I hope he does. It'd be great to get the NHL at 100% uh, vaccinated, you know, at a vaccination rate like that. It just, you know, it is just a shame that, you know, he's being incredibly selfish about it and, you know, is could very well cost the Red Wings, but you're right in that he's not going to, you know, sustain this pace, but this is one of the best starts and best seasons he's had in some time. Yeah. I mean, it's easily a breakout year for him. Right. Mm -hmm. And the shooting percentage is crazy and that's not going to last, but he's been really good and the Red Wings need that. They need it desperately. Uh, I think that as you kind of alluded to earlier, I don't know if this is necessarily the season that they should be trying to make a push, but with the way Moritz Sider is playing and Lucas Raymond, it seems like one of those situations where maybe they're ahead of where they thought in the rebuild. And if they were to like start going now and get into a playoff position and, you know, they're probably not going to win anything, but get that experience for this young group that pushes them towards next year where like some more rookies break in, they can add a UFA, make a trade. And they're all of a sudden a pretty dangerous team. Like it doesn't take as much anymore as it used to because there's more parity in the league you can kind of vault over teams 
especially the ones that are spinning their wheels. I mean, you look at the way that Detroit's played this year compared to like the Ottawa Senators, who are everybody's like fancy pick of, oh, they're going to be great next year because they tore it up way after they were eliminated from the playoffs last year. The Red Wings look ahead of them. And I know I didn't have the Red Wings ahead of the Senators at the beginning of the season. I would now. So you're already hopped up one. You're probably ahead of the Montreal Canadiens who took a huge step back. The Boston Bruins have, you know, how many more years of being great left in them before Patrice Bergeron starts to fall off, before Brad Marchand starts to fall off? Like, there's an opportunity there for Detroit before, maybe before the end of this season, you know, and to miss out on it because of one selfish player. In a team-first sport, and we talk about it all the time, about how the whole team-first attitude kind of holds some players back, and creates and i mean it's creates i'm assuming you're about to say creates an incredibly toxic culture which yes. seen with the blackhawks yes so. absolutely but in this scenario that team first attitude actually served the nhl well in getting most of them vaccinated pretty quickly right now i'm sure based on how many covid cases we've had so far that there's probably more fake vaccine cards around than just evander canes especially talking to a few american friends and that the vaccine cards seem to be very easily forgeable. Whereas in Canada, we have like a QR code, but uh, overall it does seem like the league in the, in the American part anyway, that has the best vaccination rate and the most buy-in. And I feel like that situation for Tyler Bertuzzi is going to be an issue, whether it's in contract negotiations next time or his future with the Red Wings, no matter how good he is, that kind of attitude, like, I don't want to ever hear about him being a team player. You know what I mean? <laughs> if yeah, you're going to hold out this in way. The face of that. Yeah, yeah exactly. In the face so, of like, I, I just, I, you brought up the whole idea of hockey culture. I do wonder how Tyler Bertuzzi would be talked about right now if he weren't white. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that you bring up a very good point. I mean, we talked about it. We talked about it a bit with Evander Kane because of, all of the situations Evander Kane has been in, um, and it's also compounded by the fact that he is not white. So you make a very good point in that regard. Um, but yeah, and to be fair, you can also get COVID even if you have the vaccine. So I don't. I'm you're, Andrew. I'm you are not saying that you know people are you know straight up lying that they have the vaccine. You can still get it. That's but that's okay, and um, it just you know reduces your you know the severity basically yes. of it but there has been you know outbreaks i believe with the penguins the senators are the two ones that come to mind yeah, there's been a bunch uh, like if you if you look and through cap friendly there's a lot of players who are in covid protocol uh, the and there's penguins, no you know. list either there's no like official list i don't think the nhl is putting out one like they did no. last year and we should also like, strange part of what i'm saying also isn't like just about players right because the players aren't the only ones who could be unvaccinated there are vaccine mandates for everyone but like it could be trainers, anyone involved in the organization who has access to players. All those people are risk factors. And it's possible that Evander Kane is the only one with a fake vax card. But I think just based on the culture of the sport and just, you know, you click on your favorite players likes on Twitter. And a lot of them are like Candace Owens and Newsmax and Trump supporting like there's a high likelihood there's a few in there. I don't want to accuse anybody personally because that would be ridiculous, but the odds of out of 700 plus players and thousands of employees on, on teams, none of them except for Evander Kane pulling some shenanigans is unlikely to me. You look at other sports and you know like Aaron Rodgers claimed to be immunized but not vaccinated, which is uh not really a thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to mention Aaron Rodgers is kind of just a joke, but I'm glad you did it for me here, basically. But uh, before we leave the topic of the Red Wings, though, like you had mentioned a little bit about how you don't like you think that winning would be good for this team just to get them experience. But, you know, you don't necessarily it, it's a, they're in a weird situation because we kind of thought that they're still in the rebuilding phase. Um but they have a chance to, you know, take a step forward and kind of show kind of what, you know, the Senators did, but then the Senators have taken a step back. And, you know, other teams that are coming off of, that have come off rebuilds, even, you know, like the Kings a little bit um, and stuff like that. And I find it very interesting. Um, 
I hope like I I have hope for this Red Wings team overall because Steve Eiserman is an incredible GM uh, and you've seen his wizardry over the years, you know, with with the lightning and everything. So I have hopes for this Red Wings team uh, and I do hope that they do find success this season. And I do think that they're going to, you know, fall off later in the year because I don't think, you know, teams like the Lightning and the Bruins are going to, you know, sit idly by and watch the Red Wings pass them. I still think it's it's still a long season. I mean, I know we've played um you know i think the red wings have played 13 games but you know there's still a lot of hockey left to be played you know a lot of things to go through this year so i definitely could see them you know falling back because you're right uh tyler bertuzzi's uh, shooting percentage is not going to stay at 36 percent. that is absurd so it it will likely be high this season because he's you know really started to break out this year, but I, it's not going to sustain that. But it'd be fun. It'd be really great to see you know the Red Wings stay competitive and make that um, division more competitive than we thought. Uh, I mean, it was already going to be competitive, but there was definitely a floor, uh, like a very very low floor with you know the Red Wings and Buffalo in that division. Uh, but yeah, I just I think it'd be a cool story, but I really hope Bertuzzi gets vaccinated at the end of the day because his selfishness is costing the team. Maybe not in, you know, very de- detrimental ways right now, but in the future, it very well could. For sure. All right. Well, that is it for the Red Wings. Uh, and then next up, we're going to talk about uh, I'm going to kind of gloat a little bit. I'm going to do, you know, a couple of laps around and talk about uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and how their goalies may actually be good this year. And I hope I don't jinx it. But we'll talk about that coming up right after this. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Alright, Andrew. Like I said... I want to take a victory lap here with the Flyers because uh, they're actually playing really well. And a lot of that is in due part to their goaltenders, uh, which I feel like I kind of have to owe Martin Jones an apology. I am sorry for bashing you. It's it's early. It's early, Mary. (laughs) I I know it's early, but he hasn't been an abject disaster so far this year. So I feel like I need to owe him an apology already. And, you know, the locked on uh, Sharks boys, the content boys, uh, Thank you, I guess, for now, but we'll see how it goes later in the season. But yes, uh, I don't know how many, like, you know, if you've been paying attention to Flyers games so far this season, Andrew, but the Flyers goalies have been really good. Carter Hart looks to be back on track. Martin Jones has been better than, you know, many people thought uh, he would be. Um, And the team is doing really well so far in goaltending. And this is from Jay Fresh Hockey, who we, you know, always quote on Twitter. Uh, The team is third in team goal save expected above average um, with, you know, seven points set plus 7.7 only behind the Hurricanes and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, So that is pretty good so far. Uh, Carter Hart uh, has a 926 save percentage in seven games and Martin Jones has a 950 in three games. Obviously, it's still early, but I kind of want to do a little victory lap here because uh, people kind of pronounce the Flyers goalies dead on arrival this year, and they haven't been so far. Yeah, I think it was unfair to announce Hart as dead on arrival. Young players struggle. He, I know he was absolutely brutal last year, but I think most people with a reasonable take would say that they expected him to at least bounce back to league average this year. He's just too talented. The, the, his profile coming into the league was incredible. Like Carter Hart, this is very expected. Martin Jones, meanwhile, what? <laughs> What's going on? I don't understand this. I know it's only three games, but a 950 save percentage? And big wins against Boston and Washington. Yeah, I mean, that's I know the craziest Boston's... thing. He's not facing easy teams either. Yeah. I mean, I know Boston isn't, you know, the same, so far, the same Boston as in years past. But they're but... still strong. Yeah, they're strong. And Washington, too. Um has been really strong they haven't you know i don't think they've lost a lot of games in regulation this year maybe the flyers handed them their first 
regulation laws um, over the weekend. I can't I can't remember, but yeah, I mean they they've been pretty quality wins against teams against really strong teams. So that's been like the biggest surprise. I mean, I know the hockey I watch the most is the Flyers because you know they're you know my favorite team, my hometown team. Uh, know a lot of you know I'm really ingrained in you know Flyers Twitter. Uh, so they're like the team I obviously will watch the most, but the Jones has absolutely surprised me so far this year. And I hope it continues. I mean, I don't think he's going to continue being a 950 save percentage goaltender this year, but if he can be average or even just a little bit above average, I think that's all the Flyers need, really. I mean, they've also um, haven't had Ryan Ellis for a good portion of the season because he's been day-to-day injured Then the day-to-day has kind of gone almost week to week at this point, but uh, he is hopefully going to be coming back soon, but it's great to see that the Flyers are stabilizing um, in net, even without their number one defenseman in Ryan Ellis. So that's been a really big positive to see. And it's also been great because I am a Carter Hart truther. We all know this. Uh, I love, I love Carter Hart. Uh, He had a very uh, rough first uh, game of the season where he, you know, started to look like his self from last year, but um, he's really rebounded well, um, and I'm just, you know, happy that, you know, he may not be, like, the star goaltender that everybody thought he could be, but if he can at least be an above-average netminder, I think that's more than okay. And I I'm, I may, maybe that's just me saying that because Philadelphia and goaltending don't go hand-in-hand and have not gone hand-in-hand ever since I've been alive. So maybe I'm just, you know, trying to look at the positive side of this, but it's been really great so far seeing that, you know, the team hasn't collapsed early on with injuries um, and, you know, bad goaltending that, you know, they've been able to make up for those injuries with good goaltending. Um, And I know last year the Flyers started out strong that had a very miserable march that, you know, plummeted them down the standings. But I think that this start so far has been better They've looked better. They passed the eye test more than they did last year. Because last year they were winning games, but it wasn't it wasn't looking very good at all. But this year they're winning games that kind of do look pretty good. So can I'm I, really encouraged by it so far. Can I give you some bad news? Oh, no. <laughs> what is it? The Philadelphia Flyers are actually one of the teams that has outperformed their expected goals by the most in the entire league. They're getting 61% of the goals but they're expected as only 47.25 and their share of high danger chances is just 43.6%, which is the third lowest in the entire league. Okay. I know that seems bad, but I know they're good injuries, but I think there's a difference to me. This feels different than last year. Like to me, they just look a bit better. I, d- I really don't know how to describe it. And I know I'm kind of flying in the face of analytics here and you're right. There is, likely a drop-off going to happen for the Flyers in some capacity um, because you're right they have been doing better than expected in basically all metrics but this start feels a bit better than last year's start and I really don't know why other than just vibes I I can't really explain it (laughs) maybe I don't know like because I mean it wasn't bad I don't think it was too bad last year maybe it was then maybe maybe Carter Hart and I believe Brian Elliott also weren't very good to start the year last year but they were just able to overcome that with you know some weird clutch factor I don't know and then it got miserable but at least it I just I don't know I feel better about this you know start this year than I did last year uh, so I hope that continues. I really do. It would be nice to see one successful Philadelphia team this year. Though, I shouldn't say that. The Sixers are, are apparently really good. I just don't follow basketball that much. But, um, yeah, it's... Yeah, I'm just happy for Carter Hart. Um, and it just... I really hope that Martin Jones at least continues to be serviceable. That's, I think, all he needs to be. Yeah. I don't think he's going to play a whole bunch of games this year. I mean, heaven, heaven forbid Carter Hart gets injured, then we may have a problem. But my hope is that at least, you know, the injuries to the Flyers, you know, stabilize a little bit and we get, you know, a, you know, a normal, a normal year of goaltending in Philadelphia. That would be, that would be really nice, Andrew. Just a normal year of goaltending. That's I mean, we should, I we should clarify a normal year of goaltending for like the NHL, not a normal Philadelphia year. We wish yes. Philadelphia a very normal, regular <laughs> NHL goaltending. Yes, thank you. I'm just, <laughs> oh, it's just a, it just, last year was so miserable. And like, I mean, I know we were still, you know, in the middle, I mean, we're still in the middle of the pandemic now, but last year it was just, it was just all bad last year for the Flyers. So I, 
I really hope that, you know, things start to rebound um, and all of that. And it does suck, though, that Ryan Ellis hasn't played a lot of games this year. But at least the team has sustained themselves and aren't, you know, in the middle of a, you know, in the middle of a losing rut because they could be like, you know, Philadelphia Flyers, like teams of years past, very well could have folded when one of their best players was injured. Um, and they still haven't had Kevin Hayes so far this year. He's also been, you know, out and injured. So I'm just happy that the Flyers are look better than they were last year so far. Obviously, this can all change, but. Overall, just the vibes are much better, at least at least for me, Andrew. I don't know if you have any, you know, other opinions as an outsider here for, you know, this topic. I mean, I would assume that at a certain point it's going to turn, but if you bank enough points and Carter Hart stays strong, it could still end up in a playoff spot. It's, you, it's just that that division is so tough. I was gonna, it seems like I was nobody's say. started bad in that division as opposed to the Atlantic where... Yeah, it's like everybody except for Florida started off on the wrong foot, and Toronto's I, turned it around, and Tampa Bay is turning it around. But overall, it's just—is the Metro still above like five hundred? Because there think was a everyone time, is yeah. Because okay, because I still I think Pittsburgh is at the bottom of the division. I can't check because the NHL's website is down, or at least it was when we started this. Yes, podcast. it is. It's still down. So, I just tried to. Check. So I'm going off of memory here, but I believe the Penguins are last in the Metro, but no one is under 500 in that division, which is insane to me. Like the the wins have to be coming from somewhere, and I guess they must have just been beating up on you know the Canadians, you know, like some of the like some of the Canadian teams. Um, you know, the Atlantic division, which hasn't been good so far to start this year, or, you know, the teams we thought were going to be good aren't, haven't been as good, but they're starting to turn it around. Um, yeah, I, the Metro is, the Metro has always been a killer division, but that statistic of, you know, no one's under 500 is just heartbreaking to me because like the Flyers have a good start, you know, some of the powerhouses we, you know, we expected to be good, like, you know, the like the Islanders, the Penguins. I mean, I know I kind of counted them out and they did have a really good start to the year, but they've kind of fallen off a little bit, but no one's under 500. The Flyers are banking points, but so is the rest of the division. So, which is a shame, but. Makes for fun though. It is. I I mean, you're right. It is. It is very fun. It's great to play teams other than like the pseudo Metro we had last season. Um, but it, it does make for fun and interesting games, but man, I just, you know, the Flyers have a good start and so does the rest of the Metro. I'm like, does it really, does it really matter? Especially because like Carolina is so far ahead of everyone else, but what can you do really? But <sighs> all this to say, I hope I don't jinx the Flyers. I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing for me is that I have this tendency of talking about things, um, and hyping things up and then immediately it goes south. So I am so sorry if I jinx the Flyers. I just wanted to kind of do a small victory lap here on the podcast because I was predicting Carter Hart would, you know, bounce back and I wasn't, you know, set on Martin Jones, but so far he's really surprised me, but I am so sorry to the Flyers because I've absolutely cursed you, but... (laughs) Coming up next, we're going to talk about Carey Price returning to the Canadians because uh, he is set to. And also, I guess, just the Canadians in general because they have been a very, very disappointing team, even more so than we thought. But that'll be coming up right after this. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Promo code LOCKEDON. So, Andrew, we got some good news. I, I I, would, you know, I would really classify this as good news. We got some good news. Carey Price is returning to the Canadians um, after he voluntarily entered the player assistance program basically a month ago. Uh, he was supposed to be out for 30 days, which is a month, and it has been a month, and he is heading back to the Canadians organization. So that is really good news. Very yeah, happy for him. Monday should be his first day with the Canadians, uh, but uh, from what I've read, he's 
also taking part in what's called the Player Assistance Aftercare Program. So he won't be talking to media until doctors say that he is good to go. And for anybody who is expecting him to be back in the crease for the Montreal Canadiens anytime soon, that's also unlikely. Uh, the process seems to be he first needs to uh, pass a physical. Then he has to go through his own kind of like off-ice training camp. Then he'll join practice. And then it'll be up to the team and Carey Price to decide whether or not he wants to go down to the American Hockey League for a couple of tune-out games or tune-up games, sorry, before he comes back to the Canadians. But it probably should be expected another three weeks to a month before Price shows up in a game for the Montreal Canadiens. And I know that people are upset and... uh, well, maybe not upset's not the right word, but they're itching for Carey Price to come back just because of the way that the Canadians have started. But in a way, I think this awful start has afforded the Canadians the ability to be patient with Carey Price and let him take his time because they're not really playing for anything now. Like, it's pretty clear that the playoffs are not going to happen. And if that were in the cards and they really needed Carey Price, maybe some corners get cut along the way by Price or the team. And I don't think we're going to see that now. I think everybody's going to be very careful and cautious. And that's better for Carey Price and better for the Canadians long term. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know we said just a couple segments ago that it's still early, but the Canadians have absolutely torpedoed uh, their season. Yes. And like I said, I w- we were all expecting that the Canadians would miss the playoffs. They just lost too many players um, in the offseason for various reasons. Uh, and, you know, their miracle run was basically a miracle run. Uh, but we, I don't think anybody really expected them to be bottom of the Atlantic and look as uh, terrible as they have been. No, I mean, to put it in context, Mary, last year, which was a very up and down year for the Canadians, they had 21 regulation losses in 56 games. This year in 13 games, they have 10. Yeah. Like, it's not really recoverable. And the fact is, like, their first month of the season, that those first 10 games, they faced two playoff teams from last year. Like, they haven't had a tough schedule at all, which means that most of those tough games are coming in the rest of the schedule. It, like, the uphill battle that they would be in to make the playoffs is just, it's not happening. Yeah, and obviously Carey Price is not the reason for the Canadians' decline. Carey Price wouldn't have saved this team, I don't think. He may have gotten them a couple more wins, but I still think they'd be in this hole regardless of whether Price was in there or not. But it's it's still good that he's back. It's good that he's with the organization again, going to be playing minor league hockey most likely to you know have some tune-up games that's still really good it will have to feel good for canadians fans to at least have some sort of win a victory even if it's a moral one here because it's just been an absolute disaster to start the season but you know like i said i'm happy for price i'm glad that he's back with the organization that's all good i don't mind him not speaking to the media either that's perfectly fine i don't think he he needs to he doesn't need to explain himself if he does that's perfectly okay but i don't think he needs to you know explain himself to everybody but you know it just this is at least a good moral victory for the canadians when they haven't had a lot of you know to speak of on and off the ice so this is at least just something for you know canadians fans to hang their hat on uh so far early this season yeah some semblance of positive news yeah, uh, because like I said, I wanted to you know transition this into talking a little bit about the Canadians because they have been one of the worst teams in the NHL this year. Um, the offense has disappeared. Um, I mean, we didn't even mention it, I don't think. Um, but Cole Caulfield got sent down to the AHL last week. I, I don't. We didn't mention it, I don't believe. But yeah, he got sent down to the AHL. He played ten games and only had one assist. Um, he has not looked uh, like the, you know. Calder Trophy winner. Everybody was already penciling him in to be. Sorry if I did that to you, uh, Cole Caulfield, because uh, like I said, I'm known to be a jinx with these kinds of things. Way to go, Mary. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm so sorry. Canadians fans direct your ire towards me. It is all my fault that Cole Caulfield does not panned out like expected this season. But it it's hard to put it all on his shoulders. I mean, the team has no, you know real good center depth they just they, they don't have any scoring it's just it's been bad from all angles Andrew it really really has and you probably out of the two of us um are best to talk about the Canadian struggles because you do a podcast uh about them every single game and you have had to talk about them after every single miserable loss so I am so sorry no no no. honestly I mean it's been fun I have different different guests on every show and we get to chat about 
different things going on around the team. And we kind of structure it. It's like half about the game and then half about uh, like the future of the organization and where they should be going. Uh, it's It's been honestly more cathartic to, to do the post-game shows than uh, sit on watching the games, which for the most part haven't been entertaining at all. Like I think that's one of the biggest issues aside from the losses is that they just aren't a very fun team to watch. There's very little creativity, especially with Jonathan Drouin out of the lineup right now. There's like Nick Suzuki is very fun to watch and Nick Suzuki is very fun to watch. You know, like there's just not a lot of positives to point to. There are some players who've been all right. Like I think Mike Hoffman has been fantastic on the power play, but at even strength, a disaster. You, you know, see that gif of him like yes, hitting the boards a million times. I watched oh. it. It was so good. Yes. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, there was like, was there like an empty net goal that was scored? I don't yes. remember the context. Yeah, yeah, there was an empty net goal that was scored, and Mike Hoffman was like, you know, skating around the edge of the boards and like knocked into the boards and then knocked himself over. I think that just encapsulates the Canadian so perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> it was. He broke. He breaks his stick on the empty net on the post, yeah. and then he like kind of circles around. And I think he might have caught his jersey on the camera hole. Yeah, yeah, he and... had to have done something like that, and. It's he fell over yeah it was very much that game because the context of that game was in the first period they outshot the vegas golden knights 20 to 1 outscored them 2 to nothing and like the whole game they were pretty much that dominant but the vegas golden knights got three goals on four shots at the beginning of the second period and two of them were really really bad reads from jake allen and another one was like a flat out pinball goal pinball goal and they just could not manage to find a way to to tie the game and they had an empty net like pulled the goalie for an empty net they were poised to like they were generating chances before that sequence it looked like they were going to tie it up and immediately right off the face off which they won it hopped over david savard's stick and it just went right down into the ice and i think the i think the canadians are having a very flyers-esque start to the year yes that very much reminds me of how catastrophic march was last year for the flyers like Everything seemed to go wrong. Even when they started well, they would let in, you know, a couple of bad goals and just they were never able to recover. Like, uh, it's probably the same for the Canadians team that, you know, once they get behind, it is just they're just never just things snowball and it just, you know, they're never able to recover. And yeah, it's the fragility, right? When When you're losing every way and no matter what you do, nothing happens the way you want it to and things keep on going against you at a certain point. When thing when one thing goes bad, there's like this domino effect, and everybody just starts slumping their shoulders, and you just you know you're gonna lose, and you just don't have any confidence, and it's very much that way for the Canadians. Despite the fact that after the game, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Brendan Gallagher said that they weren't a fragile team, and it's like maybe you should watch yourselves, guys. <laughs> like you're you're incredibly fragile. I mean, at least Jake Allen isn't approaching historical levels of bad. Uh, like goaltending wise this year uh, because a lot of the reason the Flyers struggled last year is because it always felt like they let it like the Flyers let a shot past them and it's going to be in the net that's just kind of how like the the feeling was that you know they couldn't trust their goaltenders to stop anything so at least this doesn't seem to be that bad for the Canadians or at least it hasn't reached that point yet but I completely understand and I always found it difficult this is like at least, you know, a bit more meta of an uh, example. But I always found it difficult to, you know, talk about the team because I used to cover the Flyers just individually. I always found it more difficult to talk about the team when things were going bad because there was, you know, fans did not care when the team was bad. Uh, I don't know how it is for the Canadians and what things are like, you know, talking like, you know, talking with your, you know, viewership. But like, I always found it very difficult to cover a team when things were going bad because no one seemed to care. At least people got super apathetic really quickly. <laughs> It's it's a mix of that, and then the people who are left are just, like, very furious. So, like, there's there's a certain group that wants you to point out the positives at all time, at all times, no matter what. They want you to, like, give them something to be entertained by. And it's like, but that's that's kind of the team's job. But, uh, so, I, I try to, like, every show bring out something that I see that's positive. And I think over the last three games, despite the results, the Canadians have played a lot better. Like, they just have. It's just that things keep on going against them. And once they get through that, like if they can maintain the level of play that they've had the last three games while this bad is going on, they can probably turn things around and have a semi-entertaining season, even if the playoffs aren't in the cards. But I think the issue is, 
and you see this oftentimes, when a team is playing decently well, or a player for that matter, but nothing's going their way, and that bad fortune, bad luck, bad variance, whatever you prefer to call it, continues on for too long, the player or team's play also deteriorates. Because it's like, well, all this good stuff that I'm doing doesn't work, so I'm just going to do something else, and it's almost always worse. And then it just, like, snowball rolling downhill. It just gets worse and worse. And I have a feeling that's how this season's going to go for the Montreal Canadiens, because at this point in the season, like, you talk about being early, but it's a little bit late for only having three wins. <laughs> it, what's the what's the phrase? I always hear it all the time. It's like, it's getting early late, or it's getting late early. <sighs> I, it's that phrase or whatever somebody says it i feel like one of the guys on the 32 thoughts podcast says it and now it's gonna bother me until i look up this phrase because it sounds like a jeff merrick thing for sure yeah it does it really does so i'm sorry for ripping you off jeff merrick and getting the quote wrong too uh <laughs> but my hope though is that at least you know carrie price's presence in the organization back within the organization at least helps stabilize them a little bit. I they're not going to make the playoffs. I think that much is assured. But if he can, if he even just he doesn't take the ice for another month, like you said, even just him being back in the organization would just be a you know a good uplifting moment uh, for the organization and its fans. But I think that's all we have to say about the state of the Canadians. But coming up next is our pop culture segment, uh, where Andrew, I believe, gets to talk about seeing a marvel movie in theaters oh, uh yeah. oh what do you mean oh yeah did you forget <laughs> it's been a long weekend that's fair okay because i was gonna say does that reflect poorly on the movie but we're gonna find out coming up right after this i love thanksgiving and yes american thanksgiving not canadian thanksgiving i hate having to qualify it on this podcast but american <laughs> thanksgiving all of the good food and treats and there's plenty of them but maybe you want a yummy dessert but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar it's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar, with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Or a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie you want. It's low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, and high-protein. Covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Hey, maybe Aunt Betty hasn't even tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors are arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday, for example. Mark your calendar, as Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Andrew, I really want to know how Eternals went because uh, I can talk a little bit about my pop culture stuff, but um, it's just been, you know, an uh, assortment of things. I'm still getting through the second season of Lock and Key. I'm about halfway through been playing more video games i'm catching up uh on final fantasy 14 i have less than 10 quests left until i've caught up on the story um and it is great that the ex the expansion that was supposed to come out this month got delayed uh into december by just a couple of weeks so i have time to catch up and you know maybe actually rest and read a book for once because i feel like i've been grinding away in that video game uh for a very long time but it's been great so i can't complain too much but it'll be nice to you know do something else with my routine but please tell me how eternals was because you saw it over the weekend yeah so i went into the movie with like not low expectations but lower expectations because you know it was the first rotten uh on rotten tomatoes marvel movie and i was like interesting they think it's worse than like thor the dark world but uh i read a bunch of reviews avoiding spoilers going in i did know one big spoiler about it which kind of sucked because i thought that it wasn't a real thing but it ended up being an actual pretty large spoiler for the movie but it, it didn't ruin anything for me overall but uh I was kind of confused by the reviews after watching it. I think that there are very legitimate criticisms of it in there. It's a story that is, the scope is so wide that I don't want to say it's unfocused because it's not unfocused. It's very clear what Chloe Zhao was trying to do with this movie. But because the scope is so wide, it kind of prevents you from getting too 
personally involved and they're trying to introduce so many characters and each character has a very unique personality. So it's like there's the struggle between doing too much exposition to explain things versus like flashbacks. And like, there's a lot of both. Um, I think they did a good job of avoiding characters, just like telling you what's happening, which was kind of an issue that I found with uh, midnight mass that I watched on Netflix recently. There was a lot of like, here's a character and he's just going to tell you his whole backstory in a story. And there wasn't so much of that in internals. They did a good job showing where each character's perspective comes from. And I don't know if there's much that I would have cut out of it because like, it's a very long movie, but it doesn't seem like there's any fat to be trimmed for lack of a better term. I liked it. I understand where the criticism comes from. Honestly, I was just very glad to see Marvel try something different. And I think a lot of the reviews come from a lot of critics wanted to have the knives out for Marvel studios at some point. And they saw this as an opportunity to knock it because it's not the same formula. And if they were to knock a movie that had the same formula, it would kind of invalidate all of their previous reviews. They were like, oh, this movie's great. But like now if you don't like it, you know, Shang-Chi was not formulaic, but it did follow a similar trajectory, right? And Shang-Chi got phenomenal reviews. I liked Shang-Chi more than Eternals by a significant margin, but I didn't dislike Eternals. Like, I, I think this is a movie that you need to watch probably three or four times to fully get a grasp of what it's trying to do and how you really feel about it. It's that you kind of come out of it feeling a little bit complicated, but it was good. I think some of the performances were really great, beautifully shot. I saw one review saying that some of the effects were Sharknado-esque, and I was like, I, I'm sorry, but I can't take you seriously as a reviewer. Like, if you're going to start talking about, like, Sharknado TV movie graphics when you're talking about a 200 million dollar picture where almost every single shot looks spectacular you're just trying to kick someone you know like it that is just completely dishonest to me so i thought that uh, it was daring which marvel studios usually isn't very daring they try to do like the scope of their storytelling is interesting and like their character work is interesting but they don't push the envelope in terms of what kind of story they're trying to tell very often this was that, and I hope Chloe Zhao gets a chance to continue working with Marvel because I think this is something that if she doesn't have to tell the whole backstory, she can tell an even better story. And what I liked about it was that the conflict at the end, like obviously there's a big battle because it's a superhero movie, but the conflict was not between you know like somebody t- trying to destroy the world and somebody trying to save it. The conflict was very personal between... Uh, I don't. I guess it's a spoiler to say who it's between, but it's a very emotional conflict between purpose and connection. Yeah, interesting. Interesting review. Um, I, I, you, the thing you said about them, you know, trying to introduce so many characters. That's a good point because there are so many people in that film that we haven't seen before. Um, I wonder if maybe people would be more receptive to it if they try to, you know, do smaller movies with them. Or like a TV show, but I think that it's good that they tried something different uh, because, like, you're right. Marvel is a very predictable formula. Uh, I think they've gotten good at it. Uh, that's why their movies, I think, are so successful. Is that you know they've gotten this formula down pat, and uh, people like to see it, even though it is a predictable one. It is at least an enjoyable one to watch. Uh, so them kind of deviating from said formula is you know a bit of a you know, for some fans, it might be a bit too much for them. And, you know, when you mentioned Knives Out, I was like, are you talking about the film? <laughs> but no, no. you're no. using the turn of phrase Knives Out, um, which I guess makes sense, too, because Marvel is so big. Um, and, you know, you're right to criticize their, you know, formulaic films is to criticize them all, basically. And you can. I think that's I think it's fair to do so. Um, these films are obviously about, you know, building a giant franchise to make money to be fair that's kind of how the whole world is so i can't be mad at it too much but these movies have a, a purpose it's to entertain um first and foremost and make money also first and foremost but it's not you know you're not doing a lot of i want to say critically thinking because then i, I don't want to sound like a a youtube reviewer uh you know you have to have some you know critical thoughts and whatnot i don't want to do that but i'm just saying like you know what you're getting with a marvel film you're there for the entertainment 
Um, so if people wanted to, you know, try and, you know, fight back or you try and review against that, um, I could see why this would be a perfect movie to do so because it is not in Marvel's formula, but that's interesting. I still don't know if I'm going to go see it in theaters. I might wait until, I might wait until it jumps onto Disney plus. I do. I, I definitely am going to go see, you know, the new Spider-Man film, which I believe comes out next month um in theaters that's uh, i'm more excited for that i hate to say it's because it's more formulaic but i'm also really intrigued as to what that's all about um i think if eternals was more connected to the um you know characters i knew in the mcu i may have you know jumped to see it more but it's definitely something i'm going to watch i just don't know if i have any excitement to go watch it immediately spider-man for me is the more exciting of the two that i want to see you know in theaters right away when uh, you know, when the movie drops, because, you know, people are going to be spoiling that to high heaven. I can already tell. So, yeah, I mean, this one, the spoilers aren't as impactful because yeah, the characters that they're working with aren't fan favorites. You know what I mean? Like that, this is why they were able to do something that's a bit more daring is like, nobody's coming out of Eternals and being like, oh, I can't believe they did this to Icarus. You know, like, I can't believe they put Ajax in this way like nobody gives a crap about the comic Eternals no offense to anybody who does but like the average person does not know even know who these characters are so they're able to create something more crazy in a way so it, it's fun that way but uh does it do some good world building too oh like, absolutely I mean it okay. kind of does some like retroactive world building I think Ooh. one of the post credit scenes is it makes you think about the whole Thanos saga a little bit differently so oh, I did see there. I did see a spoiler specifically about, I guess, someone related to Thanos or whatever. I don't yes. know. It's mostly because um, of who it is and fans of said person. Yes, and say. and that wasn't even the hype post credit scene. Ooh, the one after that was even more hype. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I'm always a really big person into world building, so that does intrigue me. I like a good bit of world building. If there's no like, you know, if it's not you know your typical Mar- Marvel formula movie, at least there's world building. I'm I'm down all day for any really good world building. So that's that's neat. That at least intrigues me a lot. Um, and I know that may not be something is everyone's cup of tea. I don't know. I just really like, uh, you know, fantasy worlds and the way they're built. Um, all that stuff is really cool to me. Uh, Absolutely. I think that's all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL show. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify, and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday with some more puck talk. But now make your second listen, Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms.